I knew I knew that was the one. That was Yes, that was the one. Happy hour, Dennis. Happy, happy hour. What a gorgeous day here in Kalamazoo. It's fabulous. The sun is shining. It was cool in the fifties and now it's warmed up in the sixties and it feels great. It's green, vibrant, the trees are all turning their leaf colors, purples, and still some cherry around everywhere. But it's a gorgeous day. And I'll tell you about the lumber I bought, but I'll do that later. Ah, How are things with you? What a teaser. Yeah. Pretty good here. I'm, I, a couple of days ago, I overdid a, a leg workout, and now I walk upstairs like an old man. And well, I have to. I know, I, 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 not only do I know how that feels, but I live it because I use stairs. And on, on a lot of days, I take one stair at a time. The self image I have of me in my old tattered robe, my skinny legs, and these old slippers. <laughs> getting up to get my coffee one step at a time, hanging out of the handrail for dear life, because I'll never fall again, Right is my is my mantra. Mm-hmm. I watch where I go. I, I don't like to fall. Yes. And oh my God, tick tock, tick tock. Yeah. So, you know, getting up from a chair, I have to use my arms to push myself up to standing. It's, yep, yep, it, yep, yep, it sucks, yep. but hopefully I'll, my soreness will go away and then I will be spry as a chipmunk. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, no. We just remembered Eric. Yeah. Rest in peace. Poor Eric. Chipmunk. Died in a purple mess. He thought it was the dawning of Aquarius. Yes. He didn't know. When you have a brain the size of a raisin, it's, you know, I don't have to tell you this. No. <laughs> I still can't find my nuts. No. no, you're shriveled up raisin of a brain. But at any rate, yeah. Yeah, so it's that's most of what's happening here. My, my daughter today went... So she's about to finish sixth grade. And today they had the open house at the, what is in American terms, both a middle school and a high school. And so she and her mother went to to investigate. We've never even been in that building. And they immediately divided the parents and the kids apart. And they talked to the parents about parenting stuff. And they talked to the kids about what it's like there. And they gave the kids a tour and showed them what the lockers are like and talked about how they're going to have 10 different classes over the course of the week. And how they're going to have more homework than they previously have had. And apparently now due to COVID, the kids stay in the same classroom and the teachers move around. Hmm. And Hmm. I commented, that sucks. The whole fun thing about high school is that you have to leave each class. It's either that or maybe dying. Yeah. Yeah. Hard choice. Hard choice. So hopefully for the first year, those restrictions will be in place. But she's pretty darn excited, as anyone would be, both excited and scared of the next epic of life. Oh, yeah. And it's hard not to sympathize to the point of pain what a child goes through as they're, as they're growing older and moving and changing and how awkward and how yep. challenging it is and how difficult and how emotional and how it's and particularly at that age. It seems to be the time when, when a, a child will just really start to be into his or herself's own internal dialogue and just thinking about things, maybe talking to friends, maybe writing about things, but stopping into less talk to folks and, and more just internal stuff. And and I don't know if that's your experience, but it, it's hard for a parent to, or a grandparent to not just want to, you know, intervene, show up at the school. Hey, you over there in the desk, are you Johnny? 
<laughs> go up to him and just smack him in the back of the head and talk Italian to him and tell him. Did you hurt my little girl's feelings? Fungal. You'll be dead. I'll kick you till you're dead. Sleep with the fishies. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, you've got to let them go through that roller coaster on their own. You can provide some you're there you're some, some some advice and you're always there to catch them if they fall but uh and you're asking them questions and expect less than 20 percent to be actually responded to in any accurate or deep felt way right well she, she had a an issue in school the other day where the teacher gave an exercise of to write down things that you're worried about and excited about this move to the high school and so everyone got out their pens and pencils and wrote some stuff down and then the teacher said okay now we're going to read these aloud and my daughter was not prepared for that because she wrote down some personal shit. Oh. Uh, and there was some well, That's not fair to her. To... I know, exactly. And there was some conflict, and she ended up being able to tear up her piece of paper and not have to share. But the other kids Which... were like, the other kids were upset. That's not fair. But then they had written stuff down like, oh, it's going to be cool to have a locker. <laughs> <laughs> and, your and your daughter wrote, this reminds me of the turning of the French Renaissance in the 16th century. Exactly. When the women were faced with the reality of what potential power actually met at the hands of, a, of, of an older man, in this case, the teacher. <laughs> and they must rebel, as I must, and thank you for your time. You know, oh, try to put that on your door, your locker. Uh. Right. Exactly. She can feel deeply. That's, that's a good thing. Yeah. So i, I got to tell you the story. So The lumber story? You know, yes, Sweet. I know you've been waiting. I, I noticed you. Who's, who's ambulance is that? Oh, no, it's the cops. Hey, i got to go. <laughs> It's Rescue Squad, Kalamazoo's finest. Nice. First responders. Amen. So uh, the siding on my house is a concrete job that we've spoken about that has requires two men. And Wait, hold on. I, is the lumber, because at some point we have to have a, a slab follow-up. Is this, this that? Is, I'm beginning with a slab follow-up. Okay. okay. It's great. the introduction here. Yes. So as of the slab. Now it's waiting for the, the concrete to be pushed up, and it takes two men, one man to completely mix the concrete and the other man to lay it on the layer, and then... A fellow who's in my phone is Matt the Grunt. Yep. Comes over for friend of the podcast, bucks an he, he hour, appears. and always a tip, and shows me what it's like to be young, strong, and a lot like the Energizer Bunny. Yes, I have to work full time to keep him busy. I can't say, "Hey, do this," and come see me in forty minutes. Ten minutes later, he's like, "I said, what are you doing?" And he is literally digging with a shovel, hyper like aerobic, and and churning and. Digging this hole that's three by three. It's big. It's hitting roots and a hatchet and, a, and an axe and a pry bar. He comes 20 minutes later and I said, what are you doing? Or how could you be done? He said, well, he said, I'm using it as aerobic exercise. I said, well, all right, well, now I've, you're still here. Do this. And it was picking up pieces of metal and chunks of concrete that was all over this construction site. And it was like needed shovels and wheelbarrows. I looked at it. I thought it would take me at least 30 minutes probably. Ten minutes later, he's finding me back in the back of the yard saying, what do you got next? Like, <laughs> so here's my, that's Matt the Grunt. He's going to be here to shovel me the shit, but he can't come this weekend. So <sighs> I moved up to priority two of the fence up to priority number one, and I've gone through some pretty dramatic design and redesign changes that I'll share with you until you really show me the cut because this is quite complicated. But okay. I have a house. We're on the fence. The house is a, is a slab, a big concrete slab. As you know, I have a one-car garage that I've turned into a, a very workable shed and storage area. And I added to that a shed. And you can reference the notes of when we talked endlessly, yeah, just shamelessly, and in, in, in great amount of tedium and a redundancy to shed. And so that's there. So now I'm going to build 
between those two buildings, one way or another, a 10-foot-high fence for which I had to buy the materials. And in buying the materials, under my first design, which I had talked to the one dude behind the desk at the big lumber supply construction store, he knew what he was doing. I told him my plan to build a fence out of deck board, which is over a half an inch thick, and it was going to be, it is going to be, 10 feet tall. Is it called deck board because it's what you used use on decks? For, it's a test. A, use it for roofs. B, use it for fences. C, you use it for decks. What was, what was, what was B again? <laughs> Why does it have to be 10 feet tall? That seems awfully tall. So when I am walking down my steps of my back uh, door, I turn my head to the right, which I always do. I see a view of over three acres of land and trees and, and just beautiful, my shed and my yard and, and this guy's garden and my gardening spot. <clears throat> and that's where my property lies to the south. And it gets the great southern sun in the morning into the, just the whole side of the house is full of windows. Mm-hmm. It's just gorgeous. And, but when I look to the left, when I look straight ahead coming down the door, I see face forward the shed and the, the new shed and the old shed. But when I turn to my left and I take four steps, I'm into a shared driveway. Okay. And that shared driveway is less shared than it ever was because, as you recall from episode six, I constructed a, a tent. Yep. Now, and did the driveway and poured the concrete and did the stone. And, and so now we only use that a little bit, but the purpose of the tent there was in a, a recommendation for a woman who drove by and said to Nikki, Oh, I know that house. I've been driving by that house for forever. God, I'm glad somebody finally bought it because it was a wreck. It was overgrown and wreck. And she said, I always thought there should be a garage on the uh, southern side of that house in that spot. Mm -hmm. And damned if she wasn't right and damned if we didn't do it. And so that means that I don't need to park back there anymore. I have three parking spaces. Although the... Do you have seven cars, though? (laughs) I've got two cars. I've got three, actually. I forgot about the one. I forgot about a third of them. And I got a scam story to tell you. You got to listen to me because of your IT stuff. This is much more interesting than the fence. Believe me. Okay, so it has to be so tall because sometimes you're not on ground level and you want not to be able to see it. but you're close. When I walk out the house, I have to walk down four steps to get to the concrete area, which is quite large. It's the size of a large room with nothing there but concrete slab, which, by the way, a future episode, you'll hear how I ended up staining that so it looked like stone rather than concrete. <laughs> a bit of a cobblestone effect that when people walk out, they'll say, well, is that stone? You step on it and they say, no, that's not stone. That's some kind of, what is it? It's some kind of staining. Yes. Like a, but I, I'm ahead of myself. You're a man of mystery. To the left, take a few steps, hit a driveway, the shared driveway, but here's the deal. They have a, it's a Y, it's shaped like a Y. They have a branch that goes to their one-car garage, and I got a Y that goes to my one-car garage, so to speak. And so I've had all these designs, and it's, I won't, you may be interested, and if you ask, I'll answer. But I will tell you, the final design, which is to go straight from the house to the shed in a straight line, 10 feet section, 10 by 10, a square. Then another section, 10 by 10 feet, a square. The eight-foot square that's left ends up being two sliding lattice uh, barn doors that okay. you can slide in both of them one way or one of them one way. Do you have to open them to in order to get your car in and out? We're, we're building a fence. There'll be no more cars in the backyard. There's a parking area on the other side of the fence. Are you following me? Yeah. We need to do, send diagrams. So how do you... Huh? Okay. I park my car on the other side of the fence and then so I just... what are the big barn doors for? 
the big barn doors of the fence I'm talking about. Yeah. It's to walk from your uh, backyard to the entrance of my barn, my shed, my big shed, the original <laughs> shed. And it's also to uh, take a left out of those doors, and there's could be my parked car because I still own that parking space. Okay. But no well, longer will we be able to back a vehicle. God, I'm stuttering. We will be able to back a vehicle into the backyard anymore. I had toyed with the idea of having a, the fence on a wheel, but then I realized that a big gust of wind would take that 10 by 10 foot fence that weighs about 680 pounds and blow it across the driveway, crashing into my neighbor's car. Yeah. So we're not going to do the wheel thing. Not a good but idea. But instead, I built a, I've designed a eight foot uh, frame to go above that sliding two doors that will anchor the fence to my outbuilding. And at the very place where that building's entrance forms a rectangular opening that just happens to be, and this is no shit, exactly eight feet off the ground so the big door of the barn can go under it. That eight feet is exactly, it's more like nine feet, is exactly what I need to be able to brace it on that existing frame. So the main frame of the front of the entire shed is my anchor for my fence, which means now that I've switched from a picturing two poles 10 feet apart and the one pole attached to the house and one pole attached to the shed, but two poles in between 10 and 10 and eight foot spaces. Yep. First plan was to put a four by four, 10 foot long into a brace that is attached to the concrete with a six inch one half inch round screws, four of them. Boom, boom. And oh, then boom. the plan was to put the, the deck board 10 foot tall with a little trim deal I got going on, not important for this, but creating not something that was 650 pounds per panel, but was more like 850. And so Crazy. I'm like, so, no, no, no. <laughs> well, no, not, yeah, about. Uh, so, are you, I have a question. So, this is what I did. I go to the place, I buy the, tw- I buy the right size 4x4s, I find the straight ones, I load them up, I go, I get the 2x4s, 10 of them, I load them up, and then I go get, start to load 42 10-foot-long boards that are about 6 inches wide and over a, a half-inch thick, and I can't carry two at a time. And I'm loading up 10 of them, and I'm thinking, man... This stuff is so heavy. And I had him calling my dude back at the desk who was like, oh, yeah, man, you know, that, that stuff will last forever, and it's heavy, and you got to worry about sway. And I said, won't this connection to my shed stop the sway? Said, yeah, I think that's a start. I said, I don't want to know if it's a start. I want to know if it's a fix. I don't, I'm not going to build this again. Eh, ordinarily, you would you'd dig a hole and you'd plant these, but I see you've got all this concrete to go through. And I said, yeah. And so I, I said, what do you think? He said, we should be all right. And I go out and I'm loading the shit up and I'm thinking, what? From 650 pounds to 850 pounds, my truck is sagging from the fucking weight. It's, a, it's about a quarter ton truck. Green and I call the dude up and I say, dude, when you said you were worried about sway, how worried are you? Oh, you know, those four by fours. I got it. I got it. I got it. You, you were going to connect them to the concrete, right? With these big screws. I said, when the wind blows, maybe that concrete would come loose. And I said, so I got the wrong four by fours. I need to cut a three by three hole in the concrete and dig a, a hole that's three feet deep to plant the pole and then put in concrete yep. and mount not a 10 foot pole i need a 14 foot pole yep. and he says yeah man i feel a lot more comfortable I'm like, i wish you would have told me before you were so fucking encouraging nice but he said i sounded like i knew what i was talking about that's where he made his mistake and so i said i'm rethinking this plan this shit is heavy what about my assumption that a, a one by six one inch 
board, which is only three quarters of, uh, of an inch as opposed to over one inch. What is their challenge in terms of warping? Is this fence board so much, this deck board so much better than just regular treated one by sixes? And he said, not if you just add an extra brace, they won't, they won't warp. And so I had loaded 10 of the 42, which took a while. And for every one you load, you got to lift and discard two or three. Right. Because they're crooked. And when it's 10 foot, there's a lot of wiggle room for crooked. When it's 14 foot, you got to live with a little crooked. Yep. And so that's what I had to do. I had to go back and change my ticket, go unload the 10 boards I loaded, which thank God was 10, not 40. Then I had to unload the four by fours and load ones that were 14 uh, four four. foot longer. Right. Okay. Going through for every one of the three I picked, I had to move four of them. I'm groaning. I change them out and then I go and I've got to get 42 one inch boards and I start to go through them and I said, oh my God, I'm only taking one out of every three. This is going to take an hour and it's going to just kill my back. Yep. So I got the truck position, got myself positioned, went through the first bunch then got to another layer in this big bundle that had been forklifted in just the day before. And the shit was fresh, fresh green, baby. and straight. And it was boom. Nice. Got it home and loaded it. And it all sits out there. And today I finished the, the purchase by buying the, the stuff for the braces. I got the screws. I'm renting a saw that will cut concrete to four and a half inches thick. And then you take a sledgehammer and you bang the shit out of it. And you pull out the chunks. And then the concrete that's left, you bang it with a sledgehammer until it breaks. You throw it in a wheelbarrow and cart it away. Then you dig a fucking hole that's about two feet wide by three feet deep Ooh. with a motherfucking uh, pole digger, post hole digger. Yeah. Which is the last hole I dug like this. The hole was so deep that in order to get to the handles of the post hole digger, I had to reach into the hole. Damn. Because I hit sand. Deep. I hit sand after a foot and a half. That's what I'm hoping for here. The sandway here to the concrete I pour in, they're just perfectly. But anyway, this the challenge of the saw is going to be interesting. I only got to make two cuts. But I'm also going to cut a trough in the back of my concrete. That's a mess. That's a dusty mess. Yeah. That was all fascinating. I can tell. You're spellbound. That was the tool of the day, you might ask. The tool of the day was... Let's see. You were just picking out lumber... So the tool of the day is a level that you were no. using to... Uh, I use my eyes. Okay. I eyeballed it. No, wrong. Eh. Tool of the day. Was? Not only worth two points. Oh, I'm still guessing. Tool well, of the day was your mind. <laughs> no. Eh. Oh, it's not a, not a very sharp tool. Not, a, not an often used tool. Or perhaps completely worn out. What was the tool of the day, Dennis? The tool of the day was my truck. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Green like the lumber. Bounced right back. That was a lot of load. When you got three 14-foot timbers, you put the tailgate down on this truck. And it's not a big truck. It's not a big V6 or a V8. It's a gorgeous-looking V4. And with the gate down, the bed is 7 feet. So when it's a 10-footer, it's 3-foot hanging over. Ah. Mm. And when it's a 14-footer, it's like, holy shit, man. And I pile all the other wood on top of that, the shorter wood, to keep it down, you know, and it's going to stay solid. I drive with the emergency on and keep it in low gear. You didn't have you didn't have anything holding them in. I didn't use any bungees; they were unnecessary. The, oh. the sheer weight of the lumber and the care I took in the driving, which was the the key to the decision. Right. I drove twenty five miles and over in the, in the 
25, 30 miles an, uh, an hour in the right lane with my emergency on. And it never stopped suddenly and never took off suddenly. But I'm pretty good at that. It, a bungee probably would have been legal. <laughs> but I did have a red flag because anything over, I think, a foot, maybe two feet off the back of your truck is required by law to have a red flag. Right. So they provide the, the cellophane flag. and the At the lumber place. At the lumber place, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like... I had to load and unload all that. Then I had to come home and load it. So I went there, I loaded. Then I unloaded everything. So that's one, two, three. That's six loads so far. Then I came home and I unloaded it again. So I touched this lumber all those times, seven times. No splinters. That, stupid. And you know what? I'm glad that I had the reasonable mental acuity to rethink my design and piecing together the concerns that the dude had. But he it's, nice to be, it's nice to be right the first time. But it's also nice to realize that you realized you were wrong and it's correct. better. It's it might be right. It might be good. It might it is good to be right the first time, but it's not only better to be right the second time. You had better be. Right. Uh, it's it better. Takes three, and you had better be. Better be. Plan B is better be. Plan B better be better. Plan B section one, sub A. Plan better be better be better be. At this time, there's no purpose that's been designed. I thought you, I thought you said herpes. I was like, what? No. What's going on here? Gross. Gross. Oh, oh. so this, how about the scam? Tell me about the scam. I love scams. So I've got my car for sale, and uh, I got these guys calling. And, You're oh, convertible. Car. Why don't you call blah, blah, blah. All you got to do is let's use Zelle. Zelle, Z-E-L-E. Yep. It's an app, right? I'm aware of it, yep. Let's use Zelle. It's real easy and efficient. And my daughter, who's handling the tech for me, that gives me a separation from the tech issues, which allows me to say to the to a guy, my daughter's the financial person, so you've got to work with her on this because she Googles the shit out of people and finds out what's going on with them and who they are and does it sound real and whatnot. Right. But these guys want me to do this, and there is a scam out there where it sounds unreasonable to think that it's happened, but it has, where they put uh, money in and it shows somehow that it's been a transaction that they've made and before the bank actually has the money, they pose as the person who's receiving it and says, it's been a mistake, go ahead and give that money back. And the bank somehow takes money that they had. It sounds impossible that it can't be that possibly that sloppy. But the, she's, she goes, there's a guy with, a, with an accent and his name, it sounds Russian. And he says his American name is Mike. And, and, and so when she Googles this Russian name like three guys come up, four guys come up, apparently with the same name, and and when she looked at him and said the first name was this or that, she double clicks on that name to filter out these dudes, and they all come up again. And she says, I'm fishy here. I'm going, I'm looking, I'm not seeing this guy, blah, blah, blah. So I said to him yesterday, and unknown to me, she said, oh yeah, Zell, yeah, we can do that. I do that. That's safe, Dad. Come on, get with it. Nobody does a cashier's check anymore. You mean you got to go to the bank? You got to pay the money. Then you got to come back. You got to have somebody take care of the kid. Then you take the kid with you. you sign the <laughs> check. COVID. Jeez. Nobody does that. And I said, good. You do it for me. And she, I'm, I'm giving her a commission on this car. And I tell her it's one percent. And so that four dollars and fifty cents will help you. That's actually forty-five dollars would be one percent. It's one tenth of one percent. Right. It's four dollars and fifty cents, and I say that'll help get you a beer. So, go ahead and Google all this and get back with me. I need your response. It'll whatever it takes. Go ahead, <laughs> and she does it, and it's like fishy. So, what are your thoughts about all that? And so I say to the dude, 
okay, in order for this to happen, though, before we do this transaction, I need to fill out a legal receipt for your non-refundable $450. And for that, I need your full legal name and I need your legal address. Nice. And I wrote to my daughter and I said, this is D-Day. We either get 450 real dollars or we're not going to hear from him again. Right. And he gets, he says, according to him, he gets available at 3 in the afternoon because he drives all night. And uh, whatever. And uh, and so I haven't heard from him. And so it's the second time it's happened. And these guys are so good at really convincing me. There, I sent him a picture of the car. The And he says, is this rust? He sends a picture back and circles it. Wow. And says, is this rust? And says, and just goes on and on and just plays it and plays it. And then when you get down to, uh-oh, I don't have a dumb fuck. This guy's going to check me out as a legal entity. Right. But they got to run. And I can call and say, I got the dude's phone number, but it's like, that phone's gone. Yeah, it's like, it seems like attention phone. to detail to to do that is this rust back and forth. But That's, that you know, was but if so they, occurred. But if they have teams of Russian teenagers sitting at computers all day, like doing these sort of interactions, it's not that much work for 400 bucks. So, I don't know. It seems like if, let's say... You let's see. Let's say I was the scammer, and I trans and I transferred you five hundred bucks with Zelle, and it was still a pending transaction. But it showed up in my app, and it showed up in your app. But it was during this limbo period where the money oh, is nowhere. It was posted. And but whenever you send money, it takes there's some time between when the money leaves and the money arrives. Yes. Like it, you think it should be fairly instantaneous, but the banks use that time to make a little bit more money off you. I think what they do is they use their time to apply their software. Yeah, or it's just the, the way... process they go through for authenticity and whatnot, I would imagine, because it's slower than the automation certainly would allow. Right. But it's a moment worth waiting for. It's a day, right. maybe four hours. Stuff is posted. I see it on my computer all the time, obviously. So. But it's weird that if I sent you the 500 and then I called up your bank and said, hey, this yeah. is Dennis. Uh, it's posted. I, yeah, this is Dennis. I want to cancel. I want to yeah. cancel this. Give this money back to these people. No, and I guess that idea. the idea is that would, if it's not done very well, and they and the bank can't tell the state of the initial transaction, I can imagine how that could initiate That's impossible. a five hundred transaction. Knows. If well, the bank knows anything, they know what's posted and what's been actually enrolled. They know that. If there's one thing they know, it's that. It's incredible to me that, in, in fact that someone who works for a bank would say, oh, yeah, I, you know, the money ain't here yet, you know, but it's coming, so what do you want me to do, take it out of, my, out of your savings account? <laughs> oh, yeah, go ahead and take care of that because I'm really worried about this guy. Oh, it'll get, the, the 500's on its way, so we'll just save him some trouble. It's impossible to imagine. Okay. There's got to be something, there's got to be some, that's why I'm saying this to you, there's got to be more to it than that. It's got to be somebody on the inside of the bank. There's got to be, or some somebody who's able to, it can't be very sophisticated. No, really. No. If you Google Zelle scam, there's a whole bunch of different stuff that comes up about how to avoid scams with Zelle. So, I mean, it's not uh, scam proof, but of course, any tr money transaction system, you're going to get scammed on because the scam, like, it's not about the security of the banking system. It's about the dupability of the individuals. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's something in... There's something that somebody's discovered, though. But yeah, I guess if I'm really that interested in it, I'll read what you've just pulled up. Hey, did I tell you that I got scammed? Did I talk about that? Uh, about what? 
Maybe. With um, Amazon. About a delivery thing? No. So maybe I didn't talk about it. I certainly didn't put anything in the show notes about it. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, I got this email from my aunt, my father's older sister, who has never been very tech savvy. And like she still has an msn.com email address from way from 30 years ago. And I got this email from her saying, do you have an account with Amazon? Which I, I thought, oh, isn't that cute? She thinks that someone my age might not have an Amazon account. Yeah. And so I wrote back, yeah, of course. And so she wrote back, hey, I'm having trouble with my credit card, but I really want to give this uh, gift certificate to a close friend for her birthday. Would you would you be willing to buy this gift certificate for her and I'll pay it back as soon as my, my bank account gets figured out? And my guard was down. I thought my little old aunt having trouble with, with online purchases. That, that, that makes sense. She's good for 250 bucks or whatever it was. Yeah. And so I said, yeah, sure, okay. And so I, I, I bought this. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gift certificate to some shopping store where it, it emails the certificate to the person. So there's no delivery. There's no, like, it just is instant. So I did that and I wrote back to her and she said, great. They said that it arrived. But for the thing that they want to purchase, they need a little bit more. So can you do another hundred or something like that? And so I said, sure, I guess so, whatever. And so I went to Amazon, still totally innocent as a puppy. As and a, as a, a lamb about to be taken to the slaughter. Exactly. And yeah. so I placed this other order, a puppy being taken to the slaughter. And Amazon said, whoa, this is fraudulent looking behavior. We're, we're blocking this order. In fact, we're locking your Amazon account for a day. Whoa. I was like, fuck. Whoa. And so I, I wrote my aunt and I said, Amazon's not letting me do this. In fact, now my account is blocked. One. The second one. And and she wrote back, okay, let me know when you can try again or something. And then then I guess a day went by and she she sent me another email saying, have you been able to do the, the second one? And I noticed that she signed it with her name, but the email came from the from the account that we were sending the gift certificates to. And at that point, I was like, fuck. Uh, Clearly, this is just some rando that figured out... Uh, the original emails came from her address, but her address had been hacked because she's an internet novice. Right. And, oh, my uh, God. And so I... I That's... I, just, it, 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 it's shocking to me that you, of all people... I know. Me too. Because I'm, be so, I'm so skeptical it's, it's hard of, to, of things. You were so savvy. You were technically savvy. But I was in this mind space... And, you and have, oh, it's been a while uh, since you, I've heard from my aunt. And you have the real world experience of a six-year-old, <laughs> right? Exactly. And so anyway, it, if a relative that you haven't spoken to in a while asks you for a favor involving money, perhaps pick up the phone and give them a call, or ask hello, them hello, the color you? of their house, or <laughs> something that only that person would right. know. Oh, uh, did you finally? Um, did you? How very did embarrassing. New, how did the new paint job on your house go? Ah. They said, oh, you know what? It went pretty good. Right. What color did you end up with? <laughs> but yeah, anyway, it's I play along. There's no difference in the interaction between the dude up in Traverse City here who wanted the car and then had two appointments set. No deposit, of course. He didn't have to have a deposit because he was going to come see it and be ready to buy it, which is fine. And he asked the same questions, got the same documents, ended up with the same pictures because they're both going sight unseen. And my due diligence responsibility as an honest American is to say, if you're going to buy this car sight unseen, you need to see it. 
Right. Here's pictures of a rust spot. Here's pictures of a place where the paint's chipped. Here's some interior damage. I don't want you to show up here having paid an unseen, non-refundable deposit and say, you never told me about this. Are there people about that the dude who couldn't get in the car? He couldn't. He was too fat? He couldn't get in the car. He came to buy it cash in hand, had the money in his pocket, came with his daughter, went through days and weeks of him wanting records and pictures, and he uh. showed up. And I told you the story, I'm sure. And he comes to the car without a coat. And I say, hey, man, because it's cold. Right. I said, man, this is a convertible. We're going to get cold when we test drive it. He said, well, I got it in the car. I want to see if I can get in it. And I said, no, you're no bigger than my, my son-in-law. I showed you the pictures of my son-in-law sitting there. He had a good six inches between him and the steering wheel. And then I noticed that he had a limp. Uh-huh. He walked to the car, tried one time to get in the car, said, I can't. No, this won't work. Got up and left. I never heard from him again. This was after a week of communications and files being sent and pictures on the way. I told you the story. It's in the record. Have you not edited it? No, you never told me about the guy that can't get in the car. That's not true. I'll bet you $100. You told me a bunch of stuff about people that came and you drove around. I'll bet you a $100 bill. You up for this? $100 bill that this has been recorded. For me to, it's not, you're the one with the claim. So the burden of proof is on you. What do you expect me to do? Listen to these to figure it out, <laughs> or just give me the hundred? I've never listened. To one I'll give you. I'll give you my Zelle account. <laughs> oh God! So these people, there are people that just spend their time on these car websites, and because for every one, for every person like you that is dealing with ten different people that are going back and forth and back and forth, those other people must be doing at least that many talking to sellers or something like is this just a hobby that people have of going to look at cars of trying to scam or you mean the real people no the real people like the the true interested parties so this is a classic auto it's going to celebrate its 50th anniversary when it does the value of the car is going to go up that's a different type of people right and there's only two different types of people that want the car somebody who's my age who, when they were 18, 19, 20 years old, 16, whatever, and this car came out, they said, holy shit, ain't that the coolest freaking convertible ever in the world? I wish and I could afford it. So many of us in my in that particular year we were born or in that age range. Now so that I've worked my entire career, I have enough money to afford it. No, not at all. By the time I was 45, I found a used one that a guy had. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the oh, these people, these buyers. Yes. Or they just have a, it's like your high school girlfriend or something. It's a thing that you lusted after when you were a teen and now. Yeah. And see, it was like, oh man, I'm always, I'm 45 years old. I've always wanted one of these cars. It's only six grand. I got six grand. I bought it and just, it was fast. And with that top down strapped in about six inches off the ground with a car that weighs a motherfucking ton. Wow. Takes corners. You, you got a, a four speed automatic shift and the motherfucker hits second gear and screeches out. Peels out, as you say. So there's only two, two. That's one guy. One buyer is like me, blah, blah, blah. But the other one is a young dude, a millennial, who says, hey, man, I am nostalgic for that shit. I love the looks of that car. It's sort of like somebody who looks at a 1968 vet and says, oh, my God. It doesn't matter what generation you're in. You looked at a 68 vet and you'd say, I would drive that. (laughs) <laughs> yeehaw but anyway so you get a young and I've had a couple of those and they were sincere 
And then all our taxes came in higher than we thought. We don't have the money. And the one dude says, hey, between the two of us, one of us is definitely going to buy this car, man. My partner won't do it. I'm I remember those it. two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the fucking Psy and Am. The Tweedledee yeah. and Tweedledum didn't make a purchase. No, it's just dead-ended. And, you know, whatever. But here it comes. So here's the deal. If I don't get a buyer by June, I've got the option of putting a good cover on it, a good soft cover on it, of what they call a rag top. And what that does, which is stupid, is it increases the value and therefore the cost of the car by at least two grand. And if I'm not selling the motherfucker $2,000 under what it's worth now, because it's a rarity, one dude out of 100 who's a millennial wants to go this fast right. in an old car that's twice as fucking old as he is, or somebody like me who, who wants to, to, to drive it and have fun with it. And I told you this story. When I get these motherfuckers in this car, yeah. I squeal out. I'm cruising. I'm downshifting into the red lights, and I am, hold on to your hat. And they're like, holy shit. But that's it. Wait, you can it's downshift. a rare person that will buy this car. Yeah. You can downshift with an automatic? Yeah. Okay. It goes from, like in my truck, it's it's D1, D2, uh, S, and L. When you downshift into L, low gear. Like I go down a hill in a 30-mile-an-hour zone. And the hill is very steep. To save my brakes, I shifted into first gear and let the transmission slowly crawl yeah, yeah. me down the hill. And then when I get to the bottom, I'll shift into second till I uh, hear the whine pitch at an RPM level that's in my head. And then I shifted into third. And I, I have fun doing that. And it's good on the brakes. It's using the yeah. transmission, which is what it's built for, is to control the speed of the car. Yep. And the brakes are like, this is what you have, too. But that's why brakes, and brakes are fucking expensive. Not the transmissions are, but a well-built transmission, if you use it, you'll extend the, the life legacy or your brakes by months and months. I've never owned an automatic car. Oh, no shit. No, I'm wrong. I did briefly in England for nine months. So what was it like driving on the left side of the road? How long did it take to get used to it? It's super weird at first, but then it just clicks and it's nothing. How long? How long till it clicks? How many miles? How many trips? I don't know. Give uh, me some data. Give me some data. Let me guess. It didn't It didn't take more than... No, it's not about miles as much as times that you get in the car and drive. I said maybe 20 times when I first got there. And then when we would visit Spain and rent a car and drive here on the right and then go back, then I got to the point where it would take like a matter of an hour before I remembered. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Went into it, right. And you're shifting with your left hand, which is weird. Yeah, that's... And it, but the, Everything that's, else is the, is the same. Like yeah, that's tough. That's, that'd be tough for me. I'm so heavily relying on my right. My, yeah, but, my, and again, first gear is still top left. So with your left hand, you go you know, out and then up to get to first. Like anything, it wouldn't take much to. Yeah, and you just have to, the, the hardest part, of course, is turning right. Because you have to remember to go past the other right lane. lane and onto the, and into the in, left lane. In, in, incoming traffic. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> your brain tells you right. incoming traffic. So, and then the, the roundabouts, you, Roundabout. you pull up and you have to look to your right because they're coming around this oh, way. Oh, man. Yeah. It sounds like more than what I'd want to endure. I guess I'll save my driving for Spain. So we'll make some plans to come see you. I've you got uh, friends of mine in Switzerland who are friends of the family who are getting married, remarried or married for the third time, perhaps, and they're a beautiful child we've never seen and uh, love these folks. And we're promised that we're go they're going to plan this, I think it's the second or third wedding that they've had when we're available <laughs> during that time. And I want to do it before I get so decrepit that I can't get all up and down stairs, which I do pretty good. But I'll tell you what, I'm feeling your oats, feeling your age. Switzerland is not exactly nearby, but once you're over here, it's, down up in your plane. Yeah, that's right. It's, is it a train ride or a plane? 
both are possible, I would think plane would be quicker and easier. Oh, but, yeah. I don't know that I would do a plane. I think I'd rather do a train. Ah, then in that case. Slow it down. Yeah. But oh, that'll be fun. I learned today that I found this website. It is the longest train ride in the world. Huh. China. So you can go by train, and they list in this article the the one, two, three, four, five. There's twenty different train things you have to take. So you have to change trains like about twenty times, and you can go from Portugal all the way up through Russia, down through Mongolia to Beijing, and end up down in Thailand. Jesus. And <laughs> seventeen countries, and it's. Someone just as a thought exercise came up with this, and they but they mapped out how long each train ride is and how much it costs and stuff. And there is a train ticket you can buy from Moscow to Beijing, which takes 136 hours, which comes out to almost six days. Presumably, they stopped to refuel or whatever. But what? And how much all, does it cost? All the way across that particular ticket is. It's around a thousand bucks. Wow. And, and what's the cost of the ticket that takes you in the longest twenty stop train ride? What's that cost then by just considering the ticket, let alone stoppage cost and room and board and all that? No, I'm telling you the cost of each train ride. And the actual the layovers are the longest layover is in Moscow for eighteen hours. But the other layovers are like one hour or so you're living on the thirty train. minutes. You're, you're living you're on not, the train. Uh, and so what is that cost? The total cost? Yeah. I don't know. They didn't sum it up. That's hard to believe. Eyeballing this. Eyeballing this. It looks like probably $3,000. Oh, oh, shit. Wow. But what a freaking adventure. It's, um, and what is the... Are you sitting the entire time? It says just over 2000 2, I don't know. I assume there's like sleeping cabins on some of these. Well, if that were the case, how bad would that be? How, much, how many days is it from beginning to end for three grand? The... Let's see. They did sum it up for just over uh, $2,000. But you may be able to book first class for just under four thousand, huh. and it takes three hundred and twenty-seven hours. Oh my god! So that divided by twenty-four is two weeks oh of living on a train. But in first class. But in first class, got a bed. Yeah. What else do you need for Christ's sake? And they got food. <laughs> yeah. That's a cheap vacation. And you get to see stuff flying by the window. Like ideally, you would want to like. Pause in Paris for a day. Can you not delay your ticket for your? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, they they just mapped out the mo- the fastest possible route. Right, then that's why I say to calculate your layover costs. If in fact you say, "Huh, we're going to stay in out of twenty stops, we're going to stay in five places overnight, one night, and for that we're going to budget X amount." And and, and this is in a circumstance where you want to pit, pinch pennies. Yeah, I might want to do some sightseeing in Warsaw and yes. then in Beijing before getting Warsaw all the way to Hanoi. My, Warsaw is where my busha worked for what the, my aunts always called the uh, gentry. And she did their laundry and ironed all of their clothes and earned enough money to send her eight, six of her eight children to the United States. That's Dennis. a lot of fucking shirts. <laughs> right? That's a lot of shirts. Right. That's a lot of shirts. We have a television franchise to discuss. Yes. Previously, we discussed Beartown, and yes. now it's time to discuss Maretown. Oh, yes. I've been sitting on that one. Mayor of Easttown. So, what a um, I'll let you, I'll let you dark, 
yeah, Kate Winslet is, she reminds me somewhat of the cop in Fargo, Francis McDormand. Just this no-nonsense. award-winning performance. Yes, exactly. Just this no-nonsense, getting the job done, going yes. into work every day, getting up, getting your coffee, doing all the legwork, doing all the paperwork. and But, but major difference. Mare is not a happy woman. No. <laughs> and the, Sarge, the Sarge's demeanor was utter here-and-now enjoyment of yes. a degree that we would all just love to have. And her loving, doting husband, which, by the way, when I've seen him in other roles, it is so interesting to see him back in this other one where he plays such a meek and mild guy. Because right. some of his other roles, Are he wild. is yeah. not a meek and mild guy. Yeah, okay, so that was a maybe a, a bad uh, comparison, but she's just the... I don't think so. I don't think so. Or, I guess... Different. Like the, like the film noir detective, not crazy drinking problem, but just sad and doing doing the work beyond sad just inconsolable mentally mentally emotionally damaged yes and such affecting her decision making her inability to figure out what it is that she's really truly so fucking pissed off about that she just can't seem to be happy and she she can't even imagine she can't even imagine solving the case where she finds the missing girl because she's in that dark place that she is. Yeah, we'll find the body eventually. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. She's She's been baptized in blood. She's wrecked. And the more you realize how damaged and how brilliant she is and how multi-faceted. Uh, and by the way, you got to love her relationship with her mother. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah, it's pretty. What I read an article about how much they each loved interacting with each other, where that absolute unbridled disregard for each other became natural, (laughs) and how much they enjoyed it and laugh about it. Right. And stuff that as ad libbed comes into that. It's one of the highlights. So I have, hey, this reminds me. We'll see about your movie acumen. All right, I want you to go back to Robert De Niro's boxing movie, for which he won. An Academy Award, which I believe was the best picture of the year, which was something called Bull. Raging Bull. Raging Bull. You were there with me. You're imaging this movie. I yep. want you to remember his young girlfriend, a wife, who he ended up having an incredibly tumultuous relationship with. And I want you to bring her up and take a look at her and tell me her name. It's Kathy Moriarty. It is, yes. Now, here's the question for you. What role does she play in Mare of East Town? I think this is another one where you're mistaken. Another $100? Wimpy? You didn't take up the last one, I noticed. I Absolute don't think... silence because you knew that you'd lose. I don't believe like you. It's too much work to confirm it for 100 bucks. $100, a guy like you, what the fuck? That's fucking... Oof, that's a rounding error. <laughs> I, I don't have time to bend down and pick oh, up. Oh, so did you double check to see if you owe me 100 Yeah, she's not. Uh, what character do you think it is? I, for another 100 bucks, I can name it. That would be $200. Are you with me? Are you with me? And Google if you're man? correct. Okay. Okay. Character. She plays the mother, the grandmother, the mother of... Not Mare's mother. No. 
somebody's mother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I so got to think. The payout uh, is not coming. Because the grandchild is, oh, the... the Come back to me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's, something's coming to me. I got to think about this. Wait a minute. I got the wrong series. It's Sorry. I meant to say City on a Hill. I meant to say City on a Hill. So, sorry. Bets off. Yes, she is in, She does play Dottie Ryan on City on a Hill. So, <laughs> your $200 payment will hey, send that to me with Zill. I'm going to use Zill. Then I'll call the bank and say, hey, I know it's posted, but, you know, it's canceled. Could you take it out of my checking account and just send it back to him? Oh, yeah, man, if that's what you want to do. Seems a little unusual, but you're the boss. You're the customer's host, right, huh? <laughs> what? So this going to happen. In, as I wrote to you after I finished the first episode, it was pretty clear to me which character was going to disappear or worse because we focused on her and she was the young, innocent mother. But they do this great job of depicting this small town life where yes. everyone's pretty miserable and yes. it's dark and yes. everyone's poor and just trying to do their best just to get along. To get, just trying to get by and right. she knows the neighborhood and the dude who's the heroin addict lives with, with, with his sister. Yep. Bethy, who's the babysitter for the family. Yeah, like that scene, that perfect scene that displays how she knows the neighborhood and everything, where she's got the new ride-along cop, and they get called to go and get this guy who's locked himself into a room, and the the new cop comes in with his gun up and you know, ready to arrest this guy, and Mayor's put that away, and then just put talks him out down. of the bathroom. How about the cop that gets sick from the sight of blood? Yeah, that, that's the same one, yeah, the new guy. Uh, Jesus, same dude. <laughs> and she's just, why, why did you choose this profession? You had you had some other homework, but because you're not bringing it up, I assume you didn't do it. There was something else I can't recall. But I do want to talk about your 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 some of the stuff you sent me. But I want to begin with the dude who is creating photographs of our founding fathers in today's current political time warp. Right. I'm, what they would look I like was, modern 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 look about them. I was so impressed. I thought it was so interesting to me. Yeah, so they've got... George um, Washington, he has a look of depth and and persuasive generosity that you just say, whoa. I thought, before I realized it was George Washington, my first image was like, what? What? who is that leader? Who is that right. president? Right. And then it was George Washington. And similar to each of them, I thought they did Ben Franklin. Who else did they do? The other, Franklin was not a president, but the other most famous president, Abraham Lincoln. Oh, God. I thought that was fabulous. And it's interesting, too, that I, I think I mentioned prior talk where I tuned into Lincoln. That was the series. I think, was it a series? No, it was, it it was, was a movie. A, it was a movie. Yeah. With Daniel Day-Lewis. Day yep. And how his own, not only his natural look, but the artistry of, of makeup rendered him the most iconic replication of Lincoln's true look. I thought it was amazing, and his higher voice and his storytelling and uh, similar kind of thing. Yep. The, yeah, that, that was a pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool. Who else did they have? I think it's just those three in this article. Oh, I thought there were more. I thought there was one more. Oh, Benjamin. Okay. Nope. Yeah, that's the one five and twenty dollar bills for yeah. Best Benjamin is a hundred. Benjamin is a hundred. Well, Jackson's on the twenty, right. and it's no wonder they didn't do it with him. 
He's such a fuck. No, but it's an interesting exercise because anyone that's had a bunch of portraits taken, you could probably do this sort of treatment too. But these are the most iconic, recognizable. And to be honest, if you had showed me the Benjamin Franklin one and said, who is this? Without the previous priming of knowing that we were looking at presidents or founding fathers, I might not have known. He looks just like some... the exact same, the absolute... Totally exact. He looks like response. some. He looks like some senator from Nebraska. He. I thought it was a current <laughs> congressional leader. I did. His come over. He looked like I don't know who. Who's the Coons? He looked like Coons from Delaware. Just that kind of general, amiable look, the balding look. Um, yeah, I, I get it. But then when you do realize it, you say, "Yeah, spot on." So what else? There was or or imagine if you imagine if you went the other way and you took modern presidents and dress them in the clothes of the time of their of the founding father's time uh what that might look like or even made them grainier and like in a portrait that might be interesting jefferson they didn't do jefferson at all that's like yeah no brainer would be uh that would be one you'd think or maybe they're maybe they have but the article is limited but i'm glad they tipped the hat to ben franklin well, it in- was one of the earliest autobiographies that i was absolutely mesmerized by the story of his life and all the things he's done. And I had, I may have told you that in my one room classroom and we had 16 kids in sixth grade that the desks were such that I was on the edge near the the bookcase. And in the bookcase within reach of my arm from my desk was a, like a t- 10 volume set of autobiographies of famous people. Nice. So I read those all through, took them home and read them, read every one of them. And it was my introduction to the historical fiction but James Michener, such as Alaska, which I've talked about in some depth, and other essentially historic novels of yesteryear that begin, in the case of Alaska, with the Ice Age. Nice. That's where it begins. It is the total immers- immersion into whatever his, his, his topic is. But I I've love got, that. I've read a I couple of those. I love that fictionalization of real-life figures. I've read one about Salisbury, England. That's that's with that started with like in the first chapters you're following some nomadic hominids around when they when England breaks off from France there's a big glacier thing that scares everyone and then they realize right. that they're on an island and right. can't get back right. and it right. follows these different families and then you you l- learn these families and they make some sort of artifact that then then you jump a thousand years and of course Salisbury England is where Stonehenge is. Yeah, yeah. So that's why that's an interesting place. But yes, then they go through building the Salisbury Cathedral, and it's a nice way to follow people in one yes. area around. And the Vikings it's, come, it, and the Romans it come. It's always interesting how they end it, an epic, how it's ended. I, I don't think I want to give you a spoiler on how Alaska ends, so I'll give you a bit of homework. I want you to read the last chapter of Alaska. That does, that's not going to have the same... Oomph as if I read the whole damn thing. No, I'm sure it's pretty long, right? The imagery is so strong that I don't know that I, I, you, you're, of course, right. You're, of course, but I did want to talk about it and I don't want to wait for the year it would take you to read the whole 816 pages or whatever it is. It's long. Hey, have you, yeah. Hey, hey. have you been following this story today where some hackers turned off oil oh, pipeline? Yes. And how yes. in Georgia and Virginia and North Carolina, there's yes. no gas. It's actually ameliorated already since the last broadcast I heard about an hour ago. But yes, it's been started back up. But they were 
I, I read that there were like 65% of gas stations in North Carolina had no gas. Yeah. And people, of course, freak the fuck out when oh, this sure. happens. And so they're all like loading up as much tanks as they can put on in the back yep. of their pickup truck. And yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Making it worse. What's Rather, wrong with these people? Don't they know that this is worse? It seems bad, but let me tell you. Running out of gas ain't a curse. It'll make you walk somewhat slower. But I will guarantee you'll never regret a minute of it. Because it's all our destiny. That's pretty. Okay, that's it for episode number 110. You can find the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 110, where you can find the links to the articles that we talked about, the one with the presidents and the train ride. And you can help support this lovely podcast at patreon.com slash happyhour. We would very much appreciate any help you can throw away. Buy us around. And we'll see you next week.